0: Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960.
1: The Fan. Here we go. Busy show on a game day. Kelly Kirsch and Peter Klein. We've got our NHL insider, Eric DeHatcha, coming up. Big news uh, with the Toronto Maple Leafs and Los Angeles Kings last night. We'll talk about that and a few other things at 1230. But first, big news to talk about here in Calgary. Let's talk to Lou
2: flames insider peter lubardius brought to you by the gemini group home renovations imagine your life your style your home renovation should be a reflection of you give your home the gemini difference visit GeminiGroup.ca. we've got good news we we in our mind dodged a, the big bullet in a long term we feel uh, obviously we're gonna we're gonna ir mark for right now he'll be out um, with that for obviously a week we're gonna monitor it on a on a week-to-week basis I can't sit here and give you a timeline but it's certainly the good news is is this is not um, as long-term as we initially feared.
1: Well there you go Lou got some good news from the Flames GM earlier today so that uh, that puts things in a different perspective than maybe we were thinking after the game uh, earlier this week.
0: Well, it does, and because there's no timeline, Kelly, I don't think we're going to see him back anytime soon. I really don't. My guess is this is, I don't want to play doctor and shouldn't, but, you know, I don't expect him back next week. You know, they, when they say week-to-week, week, I know what week-to-week week generally means. Week-to-week week generally means closer to a month. So, yes, it's great news for the team in regards to, and you'll hear from Mark in just a second or two, um, this is not season ending. And there was some real fear when you hear the word torn, torn is never a good thing. And I'm not suggesting that there might not be some form of tear in the right hamstring, but it is clearly not a season-ending injury, and Mark's been there before. We know that. We have to go back to late in the year, February 25th of 2015, when he tore a bicep, and it's, Mark also made mention of this, guys. He, he doesn't suffer many injuries to begin with, but when he has, remember how odd that one was. You know, he was being forechecked behind the net trying to make a play and tore his bicep late in regulation time in that game against the Devils. You know, here's another one where he gets spread out trying to put himself in proper position. And we had a great look from our vantage point. You know, he had three quarters of an empty net to try and shoot the puck in, and he tried to put himself in a spot to square up his body and get enough on the shot to score a goal. And from tying the game potentially to a lengthy injury is where it went in a millisecond. So the news is good. It's not season-ending. But it is going to require this group to dig in without one of, if not, their best player.
1: And that's the thing I love, guys, about sports, because there are so many absolutes. Because here's what we know. The captain is not going to play for a while. What we also know is they're going to keep playing the games. So the guys, and we also know there isn't like a truck filled with extra defensemen nope. somewhere, like driving around the Foothills Industrial Park. There just isn't that. <laughs> so the guys that are in There's no in that-
0: defenseman tree
1: out there. No, there isn't. If there was, we'd go, you know, hell, look at there, you know. There isn't. So the guys that are in that room and maybe a couple down in Stockton, they're the ones that have the solution. They're the ones that are going to have to make it work, Lou. Well,
0: well, they are. And I'd go even deeper than just the defense. This is on this group as a team we talked about it yesterday it really hasn't changed we just have a little bit more insight and so does the team because yesterday mark had an mri done and when you have those um they tell a lot and what it did not tell them fortunately was this is something that he can come back from when exactly when and where the team is kelly um is what's going to be really, really interesting. I think it's also important to note that, remember, in 2015, they went 12-6 and without him, made the playoffs, and won a round. So for a number of the core group, and the one thing that's not going to change for me, that's what this is about. This is about this team's core. Now, he's a massive piece of that, and they don't have him. But I would also suggest to you that this is a team way more equipped, talent-wise, to handle this situation in a very similar position, by the way, in the standings. This is a way better team than it was in 2015. We talked about that yesterday. Now, what are you going to do about it? Well, the guy who's the most relieved, but scared in his own way, because... With every passing year, when you're a veteran, when you're Mark Jordano, and what I've always truly believed is you want to be a part of something big. You want to be a part of a big, long playoff run because Mark doesn't have a lot of playoff experience. He doesn't have a lot of playoff wins. And when you're 36, don't tell me in the last 48 hours he hasn't wondered a lot. Your mind, he said it. You'll hear it today at some point in his scrum. Your mind goes to a lot of interesting places when these things happen. And your mind also works differently when you're 36 as opposed to when you're 22 or 23. It's different. It's different for him, and it's even different from where he was guaranteed three years, well, now I guess would be hard to believe, five years ago all of a sudden in 2015. That's how quickly time goes but it's a factor and yes as you hear from him now there is some relief
3: you got to be realistic and you got to be honest with our staff i think we have uh the best uh medical and training staff in the league so those guys they've they've dealt with a lot of injuries um the treatment's great and i'll go from there but like i said you don't want to rush back and hurt the team you gotta you gotta be realistic too with uh your performance and i i won't Obviously, I won't play till I, I can help the team 100% and be at my best. Kind of shows nope. a team-first mentality, eh? He just got great news and is relieved that his season isn't over. Well, can't be hurting the team now. I think that shows – I mean, obviously, he's 36 in the captain. He should be mature. But that's uh, quite the level of maturity there for well, the uh, – Well, it, it, it is
0: a high level of maturity. And, listen, it's killing him. It, this this is hard and like I just pointed out it's harder the older you get you don't have many chances and and when you're him no one understands I think in his own way the value of how hard the journey has been and it doesn't sit very well with him Peter that he has not played in a lot of playoff games and and he would take some of that personally so now when you're in a position where you can't affect it the way you want to, that's really, really difficult. But he also said, and I know, you know, you were going through the clips to get ready for this head, you heard him say as well, he doesn't want to be a negative influence either. You know, when he's around the team he wants it to be positive. And The situation this team is in, and we're going to continue to find out about this group, and I think it's a great evaluating point for this team. In in its own way, there can be some real great evaluating places from difficult situations. How bad does this team want to band together to make sure, in some ways, not in all ways, That their captain does have another chance to play in the playoffs. That he does find himself in a situation later in the season to make a difference. Because it's up to them. And even Jeff Ward guys talk today. Listen, I've now heard it from him. and, And Kelly, I know you pay great attention to these kind of things. We've now heard from him three times publicly this year that it's about the group. He said it again today. As much as people coach and direct and help and support, who wins games?
1: The players, right? The, the, players, the players have to do win
0: it. the games. For thirty plus years of covering hockey at all levels, I have yet to hear a coach say that they win games. They can affect games. They they have feelings, they make adjustments. But they don't score goals. They don't prevent goals. They don't create things. Their job is to steer the ship the best way that they can. And and I remember Glenn Gullitson saying this, and every coach in some way, shape, or form, whether it was Jerry James in Estevan, whether it was Brad Tippett, Dave Tippett's brother in Regina when I started there, whether it was Bob Hartley, whether it was Glenn Gullitson, and whether again today... Confirmed by Jeff Ward. The job of a coach when things are great and things are going well is to make the analogy of having a car. And you give the keys to the car for your team to drive. What you want to do is to leave them with the car. What you don't want to do is feel like you always have to take the keys back. That's really the role of people who don't play. They want to set the foundation. That's a really, really important part. They want to help with the culture. They want to make the right changes, the right assessments. They don't score goals. Coaches get way, way too much blame. And I think they're getting more blame now than ever. At a time when we better put some onus where it belongs, on the people that play the game. So the Flames with another wrinkle. So what are you going to do with it? Is, is this going to be a place where you go to excuse yourself because you don't have your best defenseman and arguably your best player? Or are you going to rally? The reason the Pittsburgh Penguins, the Columbus Blue Jackets, just to note two very recent examples, have been able to overcome is why? Play as a team do it the right way. And I know that's a phrase that not everybody loves or likes, but it's never been more about the process. It's never been more about the cliches of everybody doing it together for the right cause. This isn't about individuals. And, and this group, I said it yesterday, I'll say it again today. I think it's been very hard for this group to turn the page from last year. And I understand it. I understand all of why it's difficult. Because when you do something once, you feel like you should be able to do it again. And when you can't, in any situation in our lives, that's hard to take. But then you have to go deeper and ask the harder questions. How come? And then what's my role? What's my part of being better? And doing more. And not all of it, because that becomes difficult too. When you try to do it all in any kind of team situation, that doesn't always work either. It's delicate. It's a difficult balance. But this team, with a very, by the way, an important game tonight against a team chasing them for a playoff spot, and a good team, I might add, in the Nashville Predators, is this going to be something we look back at the end of the year that rallies this team to a better place? Or is it going to be something that we look back at come April 4th and go, well, they just couldn't get by the loss for however long it may be of their captain?
1: It's Peter Labardius right here on Hockey Central at noon. Let's just kind of recap what we heard earlier today from the Calgary Flames general manager, Brad Living. He said, uh, you know, they dodged the big bullet you know, to kind of paraphrase what he was saying, uh, this will not require surgery for the captain, Mark Giordano. He will be out. He has been placed on injured reserve, so that is at least a week, and we're expecting it to be a little bit longer than that, and maybe a lot longer than that. But it certainly don't look for for the big guy uh, on the no. blue line anytime soon. Uh, the Flames have called up uh, a defenseman from uh, from the Stockton Heaties, Brandon Davidson, who has played a little bit uh with Calgary and has some NHL experience Lou so uh as
0: I, we suggested yeah, was probably going probably to be probably the makes the, the most yesterday. sense and he, he's
1: the guy that you can kind of slip in and out and if you need him to play and you know he can do just that and, and do kind of a, a real kind of workman like job that's what you'll need him to do now here here's the thing that I was thinking about as you were kind of describing what what you know what lies in front of the Calgary Flames and I I guess you look at it a couple of different ways if you're the guys in that locker room, maybe you look at it this way. Look at the opportunity that's mm-hmm. in front of you. If you're Rasmus Anderson, if you're Oliver Shillington, you've had all these, you know, ups and downs to the season, well here's your chance to, you know, take a bigger role and they all want they all want to do well and and, and achieve and overachieve. Well, Lou, here's here's your chance, boys. Yes. Here's your chance to kind of write your own story.
0: Don't you think, Kelly, this would be a great evaluating tool for a team with a lot of young people that you're still learning about? Yeah. I do. I'm, I'm, I do.
1: The one thing I was wondering, like, they, they don't name a new captain, right? The assistants just basically take over that. They don't, like, put the C on somebody, or do they when the guy's injured? No, not-
0: no, no, they won't. They won't. a matter of fact, there's lots of times now where, you know, we saw with the Toronto Maple Leafs, look how long they went without putting a new C on someone you know the, your your captain is still your captain and until you make a change like on a permanent basis nobody else is going to wear the C but the interesting thing about sports and I, and I felt very much this way when Matt Stagen was here Matt Stagen never wore a letter But I truly believe he was as big a leader in that room and for people to turn to and ask for advice, including Mark Giordano as the captain. And I know that because he said it and he said it more than once. And I saw it. So, um, you know, again, another one of the silver linings about the evaluation process is this gives other people an opportunity who, frankly, Kelly might have deferred to Mark. Now you don't always have to defer. Now it's up to you. So, so who takes that part of the initiative? Who, who's the guy that, you know, maybe... Because I think this team has needed more of it. And, and take it for what it is. I think this team needs more people to bind them together. I think this team needs more people who can ask more from their teammates. And, and that doesn't just come from me. That comes from the coach. I've heard him say that three times this year, including once way back earlier in the season when we had a quote on this very hit from him saying, it's not about asking, it's about demanding. And it's not about getting your feelings hurt and being pissed off or being popular. What do you want to do? Do you want to be better? Do you want to be popular? Or do you want to win? And I know that sounds harsh, and it's not easy. Because you know what? We all like to be liked. I'm not sure we're always all capable of hearing the hard things and getting better. Because it's hard. And again, this team's in a hard spot that demands a lot. And they need to dig in.
3: Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see because Gio's always the one who has to talk with us after a loss. And it, it feels like he's he's the one who bears a, a lot of it. So I'll be interested to see who kind of is the, the face of it when things don't necessarily go well. Uh, another person who I'm fascinated to see is Rasmus Anderson, because I've I've thought he's been ready for a promotion to, to more full time top four minutes for a while admittedly not an ideal circumstance for him to get there, but I'm imagining we're going to learn a lot about Rasmus Anderson in the, the time between now and whenever Jordano's back.
0: Well, Pete, it's a great point, and there's a lot of different areas. So there's minutes to start with, and we've already seen him. We've seen him even in the Stanley Cup playoff series do pretty well, very young in his career against high, high-level people. He played 22-plus minutes the other night. Now, he's not ascended yet, to some offensive places that I still think and know in my mind he'll get to. But as Kelly talked about, it's so true. These are, these are tough things, but they're also great opportunities. And a lot of times we don't know how people are going to handle difficult situations until they're actually thrust in them. And I'd add one more caveat to that. When you don't have the help, So we can get thrown into a foxhole with a buddy and sometimes we might be able to stand behind him because we know that, like, you know, we can kind of stand in behind and we're still going to be okay. Well, guess what? When when you take away somebody's life support system or, you know, if you jump into a big pool and you're not a good swimmer, I can go in there with a life jacket and feel a lot more comfortable than if I get thrown in and now I got to swim. Well, now you got to swim. And in the case of Rasmus Anderson, I think he has everything you want. He's competitive. He's still learning. He's still learning how to assert himself offensively. He's still learning how to defend elite-level people. And even with a power play, it'll be interesting tonight. My guess is TJ Brody, actually, who we've seen a lot from in a lot of years leading up to the last two on the power play, probably being the lone defenseman on your first group, not like Mark, because he doesn't shoot it as well, but he can transport it and and dish off to people. We'll see if they go there. But eventually, Mr. Klein, Rasmus Anderson. my guess is long-term, when you think about somebody who can shoot it, who sees it, who should have the capacity to anchor a power play, you're going to see more of that. You're going to see more opportunities for someone even like Noah Hannafin, to grow in that situation because we've seen a power play unit where those two guys in the second unit have been a big part of that. So it's all about elevation, and and Rasmus Rasmus is a fascinating guy because he's grown up in a hockey environment. I heard him tell Wes Gilbertson of Post Media the other day about his dad who coaches in Malmo. His brother plays in the Swiss League and is a real good player in the Swiss League, about how Dad then also, with the time change, finds ways to record games and watch both his sons coach his team and get ready. So this guy gets it. He truly gets it because he sees it from a very different standpoint, and he also understands that this isn't about one guy stepping up. This is about everybody stepping up.
3: One guy can't take over all the responsibility Geo does, right? It's a, it's a six-man uh, unit out there right now, and uh, all six of us need to play really well for um, for us to cover all the ground Geo um, usually covers. So um, he's such a good player. He won a Norris last year. Uh, he, uh, he's dialed in night in and night out. So, um, he, yeah, as I said, it's a six-man unit, and all six of us need to step
2: it up here.
1: I wish we could take a, a clip from him a couple of years ago when he first came, right? And he was not in shape. He was this kind of project. Right. And compare that to that answer that he gave there, Lou, because that was articulate. It was well thought out. It was professional in his second or third or fourth language or whatever English is for, for a guy from Sweden. So I, and I, I'm, not, I'm not joking. I mean, that that, that you, no, just, you're not. you just see the maturity of him on the ice and off. It's been something to watch.
0: Growth and maturity and it doesn't come overnight, and it's more than just your physical ability to play the game. And it matters. It matters a lot. Your competitiveness and your maturity... Listen, if you want to say anything about this group, and I'll never forget Derek Ryan's line about this group after game four of last spring's playoff when they let a 2 nothing third-period lead slip away, lost in overtime. And it was one of the key points of that series against the Avalanche. Derek Ryan talked about maturity. And this team still, as much as you don't want to hear it, they still have young people who are really, really talented, but that doesn't mean you have all the wherewithal to go through it. Because that's what experience and growth and looking in the mirror and understanding and doing different to be better. You know what Rasmus Anderson, Mr. Kirsch, had to do a couple of years ago? He had to do better to be better. You know where this hockey team is right now? They have to do different to be better.
3: And and like Rasmus said, it's going to take everyone. To kind of yes. just, to, I know this is Hockey Central at noon, but to use a basketball analogy. When the Raptors lost Kawhi Leonard, they didn't just replace him with another Kawhi Leonard, but it was Siakam stepping up, Van Bleet stepped up. You had a number of guys just elevate their game. So the sum total of everything got you to the same overall, just without the the Kawhi Leonard.
0: Is hockey a team sport? Uh, absolutely it is. Did the Pittsburgh Penguins win 18 games this year without Sidney Crosby? They
3: did. God, they, they were so fine crazy without him. Yes, they did.
0: <laughs> did, did. Has Columbus gone through piles of injuries? Is Dallas in a playoff spot? Did Dallas start the year without five key people in their lineup?
1: <laughs> and then fired their coach.
0: Right? You do it you do it as a team. And the more people get through their thick skulls, that good things happen, not as individuals, but as a team in a world where it's too much about individuals and it's the right people guiding yeah. the way to get you. There. Jeez. And it's still about the players. Guys,
1: tonight is going to be so telling for both teams. Yeah. Like, I, I, you know, we, we try to pump things up. But this is a, this is a very tell-all, tell-where-you're-at kind of game for the Flames and the Predators, guys. Like, really? It's a big Thursday night game, and there's a bunch of them tonight. But here in Calgary, I would say it's one of the, one of the more important ones in the league tonight.
0: Well, and what you really have to wrap your head around when you're Nashville or Calgary or anybody... Every night's a big night. And your ability to sell yourself and your group and doing it the right way and doing it the right way more often than not and playing to your capabilities is how you're going to make the playoffs. But if you don't understand that and aren't committed to that process, you're not getting there. Yeah. Listen, I thought about it a lot today. The Calgary Flames have given up in the neighborhood of 10 to 14 points this year already against teams that currently aren't in the playoffs.
1: Yeah. Those are hard to get back. Yeah. Yeah. You can't... Uh, They're hard to get it's back. It's hard to get back the other way, right? Where you, you get them yes. where you don't maybe think that you're, you win on a double you know, double dip kind of thing. You don't usually get those back. It's hard to do that. Hard. Well, we'll find out tonight. Lots of coverage all afternoon long. And then 6 o'clock means uh, Flames warm-up from the Better Business Bureau Hot Stove Lounge. It'll be Pat Steinberg and Peter Lubardius. So we'll get both sides of the story and uh, figure out what, uh, what this game looks like. Play-by-play goes at 7 o'clock. And we'll talk to Peter tomorrow being Friday, it is Lose Mailbag Friday. So there's something. So get your question in, maybe make it a timely question. You could be off to a, a Flames game. We've got lower bowl tickets in section 103. Not just that, but we also give you a $100 gift card to Ruth Chris Steakhouse. Lose Mailbag brought to you by Ruth Chris Steakhouse, your private dining destination. Do business across the dinner table not the conference table. Ruth Chris Steakhouse will do that tomorrow, Lou. It's going to be a fun day. We'll find out together and talk tomorrow, same time, same station.
0: Sounds good. Thanks.
2: Flames Insider Peter Lubardius, brought to you by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. Imagine your life, your style. Your home renovation should be a reflection of you. Give your home the Gemini difference. Visit geminigroup.ca.
1: It is Hockey Central at noon. Kelly Kirsch and Peter Klein. Um, another question, because they've got another four-pack I have tickets to go see the Calgary Hitmen take on the Bridge Hurricanes. We have, uh, That is on Sunday at 4 o'clock. I have thought of another question. Really? Yep. Just gold after gold. Okay. All right, let's hear it. Bridge Hurricanes. Mm-hmm. Great franchise. Sure. That team was not always the Hurricanes. There was a chunk of time where they didn't have a Western Hockey League team. They had one before the Hurricanes. Okay. What was that team called? If you know it, text in your answer with your first and last name. And you got to be able to go to the game on Sunday at 4 o'clock. Leftbridge in Calgary, Western Hockey League. It's a divisional battle. It's going to be fun. It's a big family pack. Four tickets right here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. If you know it, text away. Hockey
0: Central at noon. Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.
1: Flames and National Predators pregame at six, play by play at seven coverage all afternoon right here on Hockey Central, then the Steinberg Show, and then Pinder and Steinberg right till six o'clock. Let's talk to one of our NHL insiders down in Los Angeles. He is Eric DeHatchuk. He's brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar. Our guest hotline, the same secret recipe since 1975 for pickup or delivery. Call 403-248-3344 or find them at 6060 Memorial Drive in the Northeast. And Eric, I want to start off with the uh, trade that we got wind of last night. As the uh, Maple Leafs struggled in Madison Square Garden, well, i like more... Uh, Precisely, their their backup goaltender struggled, and they did something about it. Give us your thoughts on on what we see with uh, Jack Campbell and Kyle Clifford going to Toronto, and the other way it'll be Tyler Moore and uh, a couple of conditional draft picks.
4: Yeah, well, I, I, I mean, I, I love these sort of small strategic trades because, <laughs> like, you, you you can really understand um, all the different sort of things that are going on there. So from Toronto's perspective, you know, like Jack Campbell, I think is a significant upgrade over Hutchison. As you say, I'm in Los Angeles a lot. Um, he's someone that I've had a chance to talk to. Really like the way he carries himself. Uh, tremendous, you know, uh, personality, outgoing, positive. Um, you know, with goaltenders, are always concerned about uh, about fit because sometimes they can be quirky and pointy, and and especially because you see you rarely see season, you know, goalie trades. It, it, it's it's a challenge for a goaltender to, to go into a new team and be put in kind of the pressure situation that that Campbell will be put in in, in Toronto. But he he is going to be well liked by teammates just because of the way he carries himself and because he has this positive vibe about him. You know, just, you know, like he's a, he's, 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 he's He's a good person to be around. So I think that, that he will help fill an immediate need there for Toronto, which, you know, they probably should have addressed sooner. Uh, but the reality is, I think last night was the, the last straw. You know, they're, they're, they're touch and go to make the playoffs this year. They're, they're so much invested in making the playoffs this year. They, they just flat out need him to come in and win some games for him. And I think he's capable of doing that. In the case of Kyle Clifford, again, you know, you look at, at, at Toronto's lineup – and I'm not sure that, that they understood how much they would miss Nazem Qadri's edge. You know, he just, he's, he's a really good skilled player, but he plays with an edge, and, and I think that that's been missing from Toronto's lineup this year. So, you know, you get a guy like Kyle Clifford, I mean, he at this stage of his career, he is, he is a fork-line guy. He is an 8-10 to 10 minutes per night guy, but he still plays with an edge, and not everybody that's, you know, sort of 10 or more years into their career does that. So I think that, that he, again, it's, it's a small Move, but I think that he will just give them a little bit more backbone, or whatever term you want to use. uh, You know, just you know, collectively raise the the, you know the, the the physical and toughness level of the team. And so you know, so good for Toronto. I mean, they had two needs addressed in in this one trade, and they were able to do it. And so then you look at it from Los Angeles perspective. I mean, to me, the most significant asset that's trading hands there is the, the second of the... So it's, it's, it's Trevor Moore and a third-round pick in the coming draft, and then a conditional third-round pick in 2021, which upgrades to a second if Campbell plays a half a dozen games, if, if Clifford uh, and, and they make the playoffs, and, or if Clifford signs with them next year. So I, I think that it's reasonable to assume that that could be a second-round pick. But why does a second-round pick in 2021 matter? Well, I think teams are, are starting to position themselves a little bit for this year. Seattle expansion draft. So if you recall, uh, what was the price of dumping a bad contract on Vegas the last time around? I mean, you had to, you had to give something, right? You had to give either a prospect that they liked or or, or a draft choice so I think what you're going to see going forward is that when you see oh, 2021 that seems like a long way out why are they are they you know trading draft picks in 2021 I think it's because you know teams that are thinking ahead and Los Angeles has to think ahead because there's nothing good going on in the present you know if we if we need to move a contract and we need to create a sweetener for Seattle well now we have a second round pick probably coming from Toronto so I, I think that that's the sort of the undercurrent that's at work. In this trade, and and you know if they end up drafting, you know a second round pick, a third round pick, maybe you get a prospect down the road. So I, I like it. I I think it, it helps both teams. I mean, one has a short term perspective, another has to take the longer view. You know, these are the types of trades that should happen in the NHL, where where you know, there's something in it for both sides. Yeah,
1: Eric. I guess if if you talk about Jack Campbell, you, you got to talk about a late bloomer. He was a guy that had all kinds of you know fanfare coming out with the the U.S. national team. He had a great OHL career. And and took some time. Started with Dallas, didn't quite make it. He's got all kinds of uniforms and sort of had a, a bit of a renaissance, I guess, last year when he was sort of, a, you know, not a desperation pick, but, you know, the, the Kings were kind of running out of options. And he sort of resurrected his career. And, and Toronto's obviously hoping he can kind of take that to the next level and give them something. It was tough to watch, uh, you know, the poor back up there against... Uh, the New York Rangers make some some brutal mistakes. So this will be interesting to see if Jack Campbell can keep that ascension. And, you know, the spotlight's going to be brighter in Toronto, obviously, for him.
4: Well, and that, that obviously that is is a, is a, is a key thing. But I, I think the one thing that people forget last year is like, so if you look at last year's final stats, um, the goals against average, you know, number one, Bennington, two, Bishop, three, Leonard, four, Grice, five, Jack Campbell, right? Played 31 games last year. People have forgotten that Jonathan Quick missed a significant amount of time last year because of an injury. And when Quick came back, the gap between the two of them was was monstrous. I mean, you know, Campbell was was was, was a completely like all, practically, you know, a, a goal per, more than a goal per game. Actually, better than 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 Jonathan Quick was in, in fairly significant ice time like you know he made 31 appearances you know almost 1600 minutes his GAA was 230 quick you know, who played 15 more games, was 3.38. So, so this guy, it's, it's not as if he's never done it at the National Hockey League level. He did it last year. He, was, he had one of the top save percentages, one of the top goals against averages. And I think that what ended up happening was because, as you say, he was a resurrection project. He was working with their minor league coach, Darcy Emu. Uh, and and they got, he got to the point where they felt that he was ready to play in the NHL. And that's what prompted them to trade Darcy Kemper to, uh, to the Arizona Coyotes. They looked internally in, in their organization. They said, you know, we need to create a spot for, for Jack Campbell because, you know, after an erratic run, you know, he, our, our you know, minor league goalie coach has been able to rebuild his game, and we believe now he is an NHL goaltender, and you can't carry three, and Quick's contract makes him impossible to move. So they ended up moving Darcy Kemper along because of their faith in, in, in Jack Campbell, and then they subsequently went out and signed Cal Peterson, who is the new backup there, and I, I believe that they project him as... As the future number one there at the point where, you know, Quick is ready to move on or, or see his workload uh, downgraded. So I think that there's, it, it, it's not a hope and a prayer situation for Toronto, I don't believe. I think Campbell has proved that, that he can play at the NHL level. Uh, he, he certainly did it last year. And the one X factor is the one that you raised. You know, does playing in Toronto, it, it, is that different than playing in Los Angeles? Absolutely. Just m- way more pressure, way more scrutiny. So how he handles that will ultimately determine, you know, whether he can succeed in that market or not
3: from a a king's perspective there are people assuming this isn't it for them in in terms of making moves between now and the 24th Uh, what other pieces do you think the kings could be making some moves on
4: uh, there's no doubt that uh, that Tyler Toffoli and Alec Martinez are are both available, and uh, you know uh, that, that there's interest in both of them so they, they are, those are the two most tradable commodities. There are players further down the you know the roster like the trevor lewiss and and the Michael Amadios i mean though those players can be had i don't think that there's much of a market for them necessarily, but I do think that in the case of both Martinez and Toffoli, you know that they will be able to get value back for them Martinez because you know he's a guy that uh, he's coming off that serious uh, injury where he had a, a, a laceration in um, in his in his wrist so i'm not sure that he's necessarily found his game since he's come back in the lineup but he does have a great pedigree in terms of of being a a uh, high-end performer in the Stanley Cup Finals. So, you know, like there are times when, you know, you get to the, the, the playoffs and, and certain, some players shrink when they get there because of the pressure. You know, well, Martinez, I mean, he's he scored like really pivotal goals for Los Angeles during those, those two runs that they were on. So I, I think that, you know, he is playoff tested and that is going to create value for someone. So I think most teams that are scouting him right now want to see an improvement in, in his current performance. I think there's a couple of weeks to go to the trade deadline to see where he He's actually at if he's recovered from this this injury, but but just the combination of the way he carries himself, uh, all around game, the fact that he's one of the rare guys that that can play both sides. Not many players can effectively do what like T.J. Brody does, where you can you can kind of flip seamlessly from the from the left to the right. So that creates flexibility for any team that's shopping for him. So you know he for sure is a guy that I think is is, is moving on. And then Toffoli, on an expiring contract, you know a guy again, um, you know when they had that. Second run to the the championship, you know, Toffoli, Pearson, Carter, the you know the crazy sevens line or whatever they call the seventies line, um, were real good. We're real good players, and you know Toffoli's a little bit slow for the today's game, but but he's proven that he can finish, and uh, you know he's 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 kind of a wide body, can go and get the puck out of the corner, can if the puck is on his stick in the slot, he will score a goal. So you know uh, I I think. Boston, you know, when, when I look at the opening on David Krejci's line there, like if you put Toffoli there with DeBrusque and, and Krejci now, you've created two balanced scoring lines, and then everybody else can play a little further down the lineup. So I think teams like Boston, I think Calgary has, a, has an interest in, in Toffoli, depending, again, on, on what the price is. So um, those two guys for sure are, are moving, but I think that those deals will happen much closer to the trade deadline than any time soon.
3: And obviously, the biggest story out here has been the uh, the health of Mark Giordano, who has uh, the most famous hamstring in the city. Now, um, it, it does it does appear that the, the Flames, the term used a lot today, was dodged a bullet um, with Gio. Even week to week, with how close this race is, this could be tough. Where do you view the Flames now that uh, Gio is going to be missing some time?
4: Well, so I'm, one of the stories I'm trying to report today is 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 how how do you overcome the loss of a, of, a, of a player like that? And 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 I think that you know, like I see Shea Weber's out for for a week or more. And I guess the only difference is that you know Montreal's kind of out of the playoff race anyway, so it probably matters less there than, than it does in Calgary. But I think the, the the issue with Giordano is not only does he does he play all those important minutes for them, and you know he's power play quarterback, but but also like his the the leadership that he brings. And it's just it's just really so hard to to replace that. So I think the fact that uh you know that he's not out for the season that he will still be around the team. He will still be able to impart, you know, like gravitas you know the that you know the the, the glue that he provides to the team because that that if if you lost both, if you lost his on-ice contributions and and if you know because of the seriousness of the injury he wasn't actually in the dressing room anymore and, and you lose his presence, there, that that's a double blow. So I think you know by the sounds of it They're not. They're going to lose him on the ice, but not maybe not necessarily. um, You know, like he should still be around the team. So, uh, I mean, you 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 put a bandage on it. You know, you don't replace Mark Giordano. You have. You know, you've been carrying seven guys all year. So, you know, presumably, you know, the 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 six seven guys that have been rotating are are now regulars. I think. You know, lots of people have said before me that if you reflect back to the last time that Giordano had had an injury when it was serious and it was it did end up being season ending, you know, who stepped up? I mean, Dennis Wideman started playing huge minutes. Chris Russell was great. Brody was excellent. And, and Derek England moved in, played, you know, surprisingly well in a top four role. So so that's what you need. I mean, you're going to need Stone to step up. You're going to need Shillington to be more consistent. You're going to need more consistency from Hannison. and uh, And I think T.J. Brody is a guy that um, has not sort of been front and center in the media very much this year is just kind of quietly going about his business he's he's going to be a key factor going forward here he's probably going to have to be a bit more visible post game um you know he will probably be getting a lot more scrutiny i suspect that he will be their ice time leader night in and night out until giordano comes back so you know how he responds in in this situation i think will go a long way to determine whether the flames can can hang in there in the race
1: well, Eric, we appreciate it. Lots of scoreboard watching tonight, for sure. It's a busy Thursday night. We'll talk to you again on Hockey Central on Tuesday. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. There we go. Eric DeHechek, one of our NHL insiders right here on Hockey Central. at Noon Flames and Predators tonight. Uh, pre-game at 6, play-by-play at 7. I guess, you know, we were talking about Geo so much, we forgot to mention that Cam Talbot's going to start in goal Yes, for the Flames tonight, so we should probably throw that in. There's a, <laughs> man, there's a bunch of games. I love Thursday nights in the NHL. You yeah. have the Sharks up in Edmonton. You got uh, Carolina. They've been unreal up against uh, Arizona down in Phoenix. And uh, the Canucks trying to write things up there uh, in in Minnesota tonight. So Mm -hmm. there are some interesting games to keep an eye out for sure.
3: Officially a scoreboard watching season.
1: And Vegas (laughs) is playing Florida. Florida. Yes. So there's there's a bunch going on. Yeah, uh, we're busy today. We've got our flames broadcast, obviously coming up at six o'clock. Uh, coming up at three o'clock this afternoon, right till seven. Will Naught is going to be live on location. All part of our citywide fifty fifty draw. This is so fun. Twenty thousand dollars is the minimum prize. Somebody's going to win that on March the sixth. Why not you? Get your ticket now. Go see Will. He's going to be uh, up at OPA uh, Aviation. So that's up kind of by the airport, obviously. Uh, well, the actual address is 465 Aviation Road in the Northeast. Say hello to Will. we got our crew there. You can spin to win and maybe win some more stuff, maybe dinner and maybe dinner next time at opa as they've got 32 calgary locations like to thank them for helping us out as kids sport doing all kinds of great things celebrating 25 years in calgary they started way way back when and man they've just uh they just keep i think the number was 53,000 kids served so far i mean that's just amazing stuff doesn't matter what sport if kids want to play organized sports they do their best to make sure they get equipment make sure they get registered or at least they do you know, help out as much as they can And we like to help them out as much as we can. So if you can't make it to open today, that's okay. Just go to the uh, Kids Sport website and uh, Google Kids Sport Calgary, and uh, you'll see our little little thing there. Just do it online. Five bucks a ticket, simple as that. We'll take a break. Uh, No BS coming up, and then the Steinberg Show. What does Patrick have? Probably some more geo stuff. Yes. As we of say reaction. in the business, react, mm-hmm, <laughs> reaction, yes. reacts. Yeah. Yes.
3: Uh, we have plenty of reacts from the, uh, the dome. Uh, Brad, living speaking with the media today. So we'll hear the, uh, the full scrum from that and uh, hear from the flames captain as uh, Calgary. Again, the, uh, the word of the day or the phrase of the day was dodged a bullet with the, uh, the geo injury.
1: And the, the one thing I want, here's the non hockey question. I'm going to ask you in hockey central. Okay. Do you think the Raptors are going to do anything now? The, N- the N- NHL trade deadline is like the 24th of mm-hmm. this month. Today is the day for the NBA. Do you think the Raptors are going to do anything? Well, they have 10 minutes. Uh, I don't I don't
3: think the Raptors are going to do anything. A lot of teams around them have done uh, quite a bit, but I don't think the Raptors get anything done in the next 10 minutes, no.
1: Is it, is it like the NHL where it comes in afterwards?
3: We'll have quite a few coming in afterwards, okay. yeah.
1: You're just... You just want to put it on trending now so bad. Yes,
3: hey? desperately. Go got to
1: yeah. get it in there. We'll <laughs> yeah. do that. Coming Andre up. Drummond <laughs> to Cleveland probably doesn't make the cut, though. <laughs> no, <that's> probably, <laughs> probably it doesn't. All right, No BS next with, uh, well, Jeff Merrick and Brian Burke right here on Hockey Central.
5: This is No BS with Burkey and Merrick
0: on the Sportsnet Radio Network.
5: Playing in the NHL is reward enough for those fortunate enough to get the ultimate payoff after years and years of hard work. But being in the NHL brings with it a certain... How shall we say, perk advantage that varies from team to team? Which ones are the best and what do they provide? Berkey on which teams truly really pamper their players next on OBS. The hunt is on City TV. Lincoln Ryan, forensic criminologist, obsessed in his pursuit of a diabolical serial killer known only as the Bone Collector, a master criminal who has evaded justice. Based on the series of best-selling novels by Jeffrey Deaver, time is running out to find a nemesis and crack the case that almost killed him. Lincoln Rhyme, Hunt for the Bone Collector, Fridays, eight seven Central, on City TV. Ricky, I love this question, and it comes to us from
6: Mike H. Which teams provide the best player slash family? perks we have a salary cap in the NHL and you're limited what you can do as far as what you can actually provide to players but I would rank it in this way and say some teams do a really good job number one is the room where the wives and girlfriends go before the game in between periods and wait for their husbands afterwards some of them are quite luxurious They got a full bar they got some food in there we didn't have a good physical setup for that in Calgary but we tried to make it as nice as we could we did in Vancouver We felt it was important that their significant others enjoyed the games. Some teams do a dad's trip or a mom's trip sometimes. I know our captain would always ask me, are we doing a dad's trip this year? Because we didn't do one every year with all my teams. Just we felt every other year was often enough. Uh, Medical care. Every team has a doctor that's available on call for a family emergency. So kids running a fever, they can call that doctor even in the middle of the night and get help. So that's a, a thing they provide. Big Christmas party, you know. Like we always try to have a really nice holiday party for the for the players and their wives and the staff. Birthday gifts, again, cap limitations. Baby gifts, cap limitations. But most teams pay attention to this because happy wife, happy life is the old cliche. That's really important in the National Hockey League that the wives are treated well and the girlfriends.
5: How much are these perks from a general manager's point of view? looked at as recruiting tools
6: well the recruiting tools and a couple teams started this i think the first team that really did a super job on their practice facility was the new york rangers and then san jose did a great job toronto's is beautiful that's one when you bring a player and a free agent and you're just like here's the practice rink we spent millions of dollars on it it's beautiful uh here's the wives room these are all things that you pitch the hotels you stay in that that became an arms race we all used to stay at the Weston's and the Marriott's. I remember when I did team travel for the Canucks, they the players said, we want to stay at Marriott's in the U.S. and Weston's in Canada and get the points. Now they're all Four Seasons and Ritz's, right? So that became an arms race for hotels. Uh, so these are all things that add up, you know, like Christmas party, wives' room, do you do a parents' trip? These are all things that teams pitch when they're recruiting free agents.
2: The Hockey Alberta Spotlight is brought to you by ATB Financial. You've got goals, they can assist. Hey, it's Pat Steinberg. It's that time of year when we reflect on those who have been important in the success and growth of our hockey team or association. And those hardworking people deserve to be nominated for a Hockey Alberta Award. Is there an individual who has made a positive impact on you or the sport of hockey this season? Is there a team in your association that deserves recognition for its accomplishment? Don't miss out on the chance to submit a nomination for an outstanding volunteer, coach, player, official, or team. Nominations can also be submitted for the Order of Merit, which recognizes individuals for leadership and service to amateur hockey in Alberta for 10 years or more. A full description of each award and the nomination form can be found at hockey. HockeyAlberta.ca slash members slash awards. Deadline for nominations is March 1st. ATV Financial brings you the Hockey Alberta Spotlight. For more information on amateur hockey in Alberta, go to hockeyalberta.ca.
5: Want Brian to answer your question here? Use the hashtag HeyBurkey on social media. Thanks for listening to No BS.